Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. On today's episode, we explore the ghosts of cringe Miss past, featuring our top 10 cringes from the year 2021. This is Cringe Post. Hey friends, welcome to the Cringe Post Podcast. This is where we take on those online takes you might see in your feed, you know, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, even on Reddit sometimes. Um, And you might think, hey, there's something wrong with this, or man, this person's making a really dumb point, but you don't know how to engage with it. Uh, We assemble the the best and the not-so-bright versions of these uh, every week, and we pick them apart, say, hey, this is why they're wrong, this is why they're dumb, this is what the correct thing to think about is. Um, And yeah, we assemble those for you every week, and I'm here with my co-host Donald, and today we've kind of got a special episode. Um, But before we get into that, please be sure to like, share, and subscribe. Um, We're coming up on, I think, about six, seven months of doing this, and and we've been growing a lot, which has been cool. And it's it's definitely due to you guys helping us out. So uh, every sort of engagement that you can do helps us out a lot, and we appreciate it. Uh, For today's episode, what we thought we would do is, uh, because we started, I think, in April of 2021, we're going to go through, I think we've done about almost 200, maybe 180 cringes. And uh, we were going to assemble the top five for each of us. Um, so the, the best and not so bright cringes of 2021. Um, and we're going to go through each of those um, in our list. And we haven't seen each other's lists, so there might be some overlap. There might not. Um, and this is our first time doing it. So bear with us as we, we kind of sort it out. But before we, we get to other people's cringe, we picked out, you know, if you're familiar with our episodes, we kind of make fun of ourselves first because we want to show, hey, we're good sports about this. Everyone has said stuff that looks makes them look silly or dumb. Um, so we usually start with ourselves. And so I have picked out my top cringe from the past year uh, with Donald. And uh, I've got it right here. And this one is written in December 1st, 2009. <laughs> I thought it would be. <laughs> it's the best one. Donald Kimball writes, is so thankful they shot the guy who killed the Lakewood police officers, exclamation point. Thank God he's dead. It's better than the trial system, which would have taken 10 years and then determined the same thing. Man. <laughs> I think this was actually the very first <laughs> self-cringe we did. And I don't think that had any bearing. It because was. I mean, both of us have some pretty, pretty embarrassing ones. But I think what got me about this one for you was... It's just like the classic law and order conservative of like, I, I don't even think we need to have a trial for people. We should just throw them in jail and kill them. <laughs> it's 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 funny because it almost predates a lot of the um, like the the George Floyd stuff, except in the reverse. Right. Because I, I think one of the um, I think one of the cringes we did, I, it's not on my list, but in reviewing all of these, I, I was looking over, you know, all the past cringes we've done. And I remember one was like. You know, you know that um, we have a deteriorating society because we're having a trial for a murder we saw in public or something like that. And so it's kind of funny because I'm almost like predating that from the but just from the yes, right. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, man, good thing we don't have to go through the trial because we just we can just shoot the guy and kill him. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. And that's I mean, I think the the most cringy conservatives are this way. Right. Like they're very like. Like they have a really strong sense of what's right and wrong and, and all that. And so it's like, well, if we saw them do it, like we don't need a trial, like trial by the bullet, you know, and it's it's like ugh. I have a lot of I mean, I said a lot of similar things. But uh, this one particularly got me because not only is it really cringy, but it also resonates with probably who I was around that time as well. 2009, that's you know coming on 12, 13 years ago now. 
Yeah, well, there there is a reason I picked it out for my first uh, first cringe post episode because it it's really the the cringiest one that I could find. I think I, I mean, I I I think it may have even been the catalyst for introducing the idea of looking at our own cringes yeah. is, is when Facebook says you have a memory from ten years ago <laughs> or whatever it is, and uh, and then this pops up and I'm like, oh my gosh, we can make fun of ourselves. <laughs> yeah, what's cool though is like. This is a great example because you are the complete opposite of this now, right? And that's, uh, it's like, even if you saw someone do something in public and they were captured, right? It's like, yeah, they have a right to a fair trial, right? Like, because how they treat the worst of us is how they're going to treat any of us, right? That's in, in, the, in the prison or, or judicial system. Yeah, you're exactly right. Okay, well, I think I'm going to move on now to the top cringe yeah. I picked for you. Uh, so again, we you know we don't know which which are these top cringes we picked. So that's what makes it so exciting. So for Brit, we have the deepest oh. V, which I really wanted to highlight. You know, it, so again, if you're not watching this on YouTube or Odyssey, check out uh, our show on YouTube or Odyssey at Cringe Posts Pod. Um, this is a picture that uh, of Brit uh, where he's wearing. A shirt that uh, has been artificially created as the deepest V-neck possible, and um, you know we we kind of have two styles of of self cringes we look at, right? We have those really bad political takes that you know, for instance, like the Lakewood police officers when we just looked at, and then there's the more social um, sort of character cringes that we look at, and and to me this this sort of wraps up a lot of of those elements into one image where it's kind of like social clout in kind of an immature way, um, but it's also just really memeable. I just think the deepest V is just a hilarious image, and so I just I you know I was comparing different ones and I was weighing them out, but my heart always knew it was going to be the deepest V. Yeah, and you know. The- <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a feeling you might do this one because internally when I think about this period of my life and I think about specifically this instance, because this was at a summer camp for like a church youth group thing. And it those summer camps, you're a 16-year-old boy, somewhat of a sociopath that wants attention. Oh, what can I do to get the most attention possible? Well, I'm going to have the deepest V. I'm going to buy a shirt at a store and I'm going to take scissors to it and I'm going to show off as much of what people probably don't want to see as possible and somehow that's going to make me feel awesome. And uh, so it's just, it's as cringy as it to look at, but it's also really cringy to think about because it's like, I know who that person was in that picture, you know, however long ago that was. And that, that person had some, some issues there. I think we've done a lot of like photo <laughs> ones for me too, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you took advantage of the, uh, the algorithm of, of taking advantage of the photos that was, you know, getting it, populated in people's feeds you know so you were you were a little bit more savvy on the social media game that more than i was i was posting these uh wordy messages to no one and getting a you know a pity like here and there and you were you were gaming the system with these images yes yes <laughs> all right let's move to the next one unless you got more on this one sorry don are you there you hear me we might have some delay oh yep yeah okay cool i think delay's kind of bad today that's all good um all right so moving on to this is my top this is the the number five for top cringes of the year and i've got lauren bobert and she wrote (laughs) she wrote this is june 21st 2021 and she wrote there have been two nations created for god's glory israel and the united states of america we will glorify god (laughs) Man, I think I remember um, this one particularly got me because I have a friend, one of my best friends from high school was a missionary in, in, in different countries. And I remember he was returning home and my home church had gotten a new a new pastor. And I think it was during like a Fourth of July weekend or something like that. And my pastor said, this is the greatest country in the world. Like God created this country. It's the greatest country in the world. And my my friend looked over. and He's like, what? Like, how could someone that's like like that think that way? You know, like I get it. Like Israel was is like scripturally from a Christian standpoint is like God's chosen people, but there is no basis whatsoever within the Christian faith, which I'm pretty sure Lauren Bobert probably adheres to, that the United States of America was created for that. It's like no, like individual people were created for God's glory. That's how Christianity works. 
Um, and I think this kind of, to me, this sums up like the very uh, like nationalistic cringe of, of like the conservative side. Um, that's why it ends up at number five for me. I think it's it's also funny because the nation state of Israel and its modern incarnation, it's almost like in many ways what we make fun of with federal programs and bills and things like the Patriot Act. Oh, you're not a patriot if you don't like the Patriot Act. It's like, oh, then you know, God's chosen people of Israel. So the nation state of Israel, if you don't if you don't support their, you know, political agenda, uh, <laughs> then you hate the biblical nation of Israel. It's a little bit of a gotcha in that way. And I think that that's why so many uh, people just kind of naturally have this default, like, you can't ever criticize Israel for anything. Otherwise, you're criticizing, like, the Old Testament. And it's, I mean, that's just not true in, in any respect. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's also any kind of, like, short um, political tweet from a politician that really says nothing is also just going to be sort of default cringy. Like just like the idea of tweeting out something like make America great again with no context. You're just like, yep. it's just, such, it's just a bumper sticker just like this. This doesn't say anything other than the incorrect fact about, you know, <laughs> the U S being created for God's glory. Like you pointed out. So it's, yeah, it, it doesn't add very much other than just sort of signaling. Do It's, it's a conservative virtue signal. That, that's what it is. So that adds, that adds that level of cringe to it as well. Yeah, I totally agree. Okay. All right. So we'll move to my number five pick. And this one's a little bit more recent. Um, and this one is <clears throat> our one of our Thanksgiving posts. And it was uh, the following, which is just a friendly reminder. Your family is who you choose. If you are not vaccinated, don't risk it. Don't take crap from anyone at the dinner table. You don't have to be thankful for anything. Thanksgiving is a crappy holiday. If you were not going to buy it, or if you're not going to buy it, it's not a sale. Uh, you do not need to go shopping on Friday. Your kids want more time with you, not things. Don't answer your boss's call. Do not stress. Live in the moment as your most authentic self. Everyone else can get screwed. And this one slipped into my number five um, only because it, it it's not super political, but it is very culturally against the idea of what I would call right, like a, a righteous liberty. And I don't mean righteous in a necessarily um, religious sense, but in, in, in the sense of maybe a virtuous liberty is, is maybe a better term for it. Um, because I think the idea that, that the ideas of liberty that, that Brit and I would, would push forward is this idea of self-responsibility, self-ownership, and not a reliance on other people, not dependency on government, but, you know, forging connections with your family, taking care of them and leaning on them when when you need them and things like that. But it, but all of this has to be done in a in a in a means of virtue and in, in a way of being the better person, being the bigger person. And this to me is the antithesis of that. It's this very whiny sort of you don't you don't owe any anyone anything ever. Uh, the, your, the ultimate good is your own selfishness, right? It's you don't have to be thankful for anything. Live in the moment as your most authentic self. Everyone else can get screwed. It's it's this very inward, um, rotten focus, in my opinion, uh, rather than sort of a building up encouragement of, of individualism. I don't think you know individual liberty is worth that much uh, in a in a meaningful way if you're not using it to build others up and build things up, right? Um, and maybe maybe this is where the the Randians come against me because Ayn Rand is very much sort of about all about the objective individual, right? Uh, but I think that you know liberty and and the the flourishing of human beings through liberty, um, the best end of that is to promote the the well being of everyone around you through voluntary cooperation and. But most importantly, your family and your loved ones. So anyway, we we ha I thought our discussion on this was really really fun, uh, a little bit different from from a lot of them that we did. So it put in my number five because uh, it really it really was uh, more of a cultural look at the ideas of liberty rather than a political one. Yeah, and I I think what this one really pointed out to me is that um, and made clear to me was that the the left side of the aisle sometimes has little really tiny grains of truth. I guess the right side does as well, but. You're like this person's right. Like you, your kids do want more time with you. They don't want more things. You know, if you are a workaholic, like it's okay to not answer your boss's call. You know, you don't need to stress, but they use that like as a Trojan horse to get in like, so you should be selfish. 
right? And that's what the 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 kind of the catch <laughs> is. And so they wrap it all up in this nice nice little thing that looks good. It has a little bit of signs of virtue, but at the end of the day, it's just justification for for inaction and and things that are not virtuous. Um, and I think that's you know to me is what 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 got it for me really well. Um, all right, cool. Let's move on to our next one. This is my number four for the year. And I've got George Takai. And uh, George, George Takai. You know, I, I actually am, I like Star Trek, but I, I don't really like George Takai. So what he wrote is, telling me you are proudly unvaccinated is like telling me you're a drunk driver. You're not a patriot. You're not a freedom fighter. You're a menace. And uh, man, I, I think that, I, I, there's a lot of good takes from this year from when I say good, I mean, really cringy from celebrities, you know, that have no have no basis in reality. Right. And they are, you know, whether it's Joe Scarborough saying like, oh, you can't compare a taco stand, you know, to the uh, to the Capitol or um, you've got different celebrities like Seth Rogen saying like, well, you know, if your car gets broken into 15 times in a year, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> and and then you've got, you know, George Takai here. You know, it's it's what's crazy is like the guy literally was put in a Jap uh, in a like in a in internment camp for by, you know, the Democrats. Right. By President Roosevelt. And uh, it, it's hard for me to see someone who has lived through tyranny, actual tyranny, and like seeing like, wow, like when, when people have all this power and they can literally tell me where to go or what to do with my body, like it generally doesn't end up good. And then to see him, you know, after he's lived a bunch of life, turn around and be like, no, I think people should be told what to do with their body. I think we have the right to do that. And, and not only that, but to tell, to call the people that are challenging that and bring up concerns about it, a menace. It's like, man, like what's wrong with you? You know, where, where did you go wrong? You, you've been taken over by this ideology and you've got no... Uh, you've got no leg to stand on now, which is it's kind of sad because it's like this guy's got the lived experience to actually say something awesome, but he chooses to do the exact opposite. You're right. And <clears throat> it, it also just proves how unwilling to entertain the idea uh, of any merit of people who say they're unvaccinated. And, and I get that online, there are a lot of bad arguments of people who are unvaccinated and say they're unvaccinated, right? There are people who link hoax data, and I get that. I get that. But similarly, if we learn nothing from cringe posts, we could at least learn that there's also a lot of bad cringy takes on the left as well that, you know, it's not it's not the, the full matter of the argument. You know, I think I think that we look, we try to look at, you know, really low hanging fruit cringes as well as less low hanging fruit ones. And even if we're looking at low hanging fruit, I think sometimes, you know, it's, we, we do try to steel man their arguments, right? Um, but I just don't think that someone like George Takei or is very good at that. I just don't think he can process in his mind that someone telling me they're unvaccinated might have something important to say. Like, for instance, you know, this, if, if anyone has uh, watched the soho forum um it's on reason tv's uh channel they they do series of debates recently angela mcardle uh debated uh debated excuse me um Ilya somin i believe is his name on vaccine mandates and you know angela mcardle brings up opens it with a story of a 13 year old girl who uh becomes very specifically because of the vaccine passed away in a very painful sad manner right and um not to say that there's one, you know, one example is evidence of all these, but the idea that, you know, every single case of worry about a vaccine from someone who's unvaccinated is just illegitimate because they're a menace. Uh, it shows how you can just write off an entire opposing viewpoint because of this flood of information coming from people who affirm your viewpoint. And again, I like you point out, of all people who should be skeptical of, of narratives that, that undermine a group of people, you'd think it'd be someone who was undermined in a group of people because of his race. Um, I don't know. And and it just seems to me like there should be a little bit more of a connection there. So I, I appreciate this. Uh, I appreciate this cringe as well. Uh, do you have any more? We, uh, we, no, we get to move to the next. Okay, let's move on. So we have my number four cringe post here. And this one's another image one. So if you're not on YouTube or Odyssey, I gotta I gotta implore you to get on here. Um, and this one again, it's when the first time we showed it, it was not. Uh, it, 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 it we we made clear it wasn't the post itself necessarily that was that cringy, but the context surrounding it. And so 
<laughs> this post <laughs> is the image of a Baskin and Robbins mascot, a, a scoop of ice cream with the smiling face, taking a uh, bathroom selfie uh, in the mirror uh, with the Snapchats and the words, how the F am I an essential worker? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it's just such a priceless photo that it had to go in my top cringes because it's so freaking funny. It doesn't matter any other context surrounding it. It's just a great post, period. And the cringe, of course, surrounding it is the idea of essential workers, something that we've talked about a ton on this show in the past year. Um, the idea that, you know, <laughs> in, the, the government made these arbitrary decisions depending on your state as to what counted as an essential worker and what didn't. And there is some abject, bizarre reality in where a, a Baskin and Robin employee was considered, uh, you know, the mascot was considered an essential worker. Um, whereas in like the public or in the uh, state of Washington, uh, private construction was not considered essential work. And they were shut down for a few weeks before, you know, they, they challenged the notion of there's no difference between public construction and private construction, right? There was this ridiculous dividing line that public construction could keep working, but not private construction. Um, and so, you know, the idea of this person being, why am I an essential worker, really hits to the point of the cringe of essential workers being determined by the government. Just a very cringy, cringy idea. And this post, uh, it, it, it illustrates it super effectively. So maybe the, the post itself isn't cringe, but the context in which it sits is cringe, and that's why it's my number four. Yeah, I, I uh, man, I, I guess I missed this one because I, I might have had this one on there too because it, it's just so funny. Like it's it's like you're saying, it's not cringe because of the post itself, but the, the whole premise around it. And I've seen a couple, you know, takes on on like the essential worker deal, and one of my favorites is like, hey, any job that provides for you or your family is essential by definition, right? You know, regardless of whether you're a Baskin Robbins mascot or you are a heart surgeon, you know, it's if if it's providing for your family and it's something that you do to make a living, literally make a living, uh, then it's essential. And I think that this also illustrates like the really great point that. Uh, when you have centrally planned things, or you have uh, you have organization by decree and mandate, uh, there's going to be tons of inefficiencies that don't work. If you can't properly classify who is essential, right, or you classify you know a Baskin Robbins mascot as essential and they can work, but a private construction contractor can't work, how am I supposed to trust you with the ability to make calls about my health or make oversweeping calls about anything else? And the the fact of the matter is, is you can't as as there's no single person on the planet that is smart enough to be able to make those calls. There's not even a single group of people or even a single organization. And the fact of the matter is, is that when you're making decisions at the scale of 300 million people or you know 100 million people or even 10 million people, you need to outsource. Uh, all of the inputs and outputs and all of the different variables to the individual because that's the only way, right? And individuals are going to make decisions based on incentives. And uh, if if there's a job that someone has to work at, but they're like, man, I don't make that much money from it, and you know, COVID has a 50% mortality rate if you catch it, I you wouldn't have to mandate those people stay home, right? Because they're going to get the incentives and the cost for it by themselves. And uh, when you when you take that away and you and you stop outsourcing the the intelligence of the market, uh, you get these scenarios where you know a mascot can can be essential and a private construction person or you know other people are not essential. Um, and 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 this is, this shows up in all different areas of the market, right? It's not just in in this area, but I think this has made it the most clear, and that's kind of a nice silver lining to it, right? People are like, well, what do you mean I'm not essential? And and that's a, that's a good question to be asking. Like, hey, a government that can declare you not essential might not be a government that you uh, you want to have in power. All right, Agreed. moving on, moving on to our next one. This is this is my number three for the year. And I've got man, I guess I'm doing all boot checks today. I've got Robert Reich, and uh, he, he wrote, he wrote. This is I can't remember what day this was. It was recently, and he wrote, "If there's one thing we learned from this wretched pandemic, it's that the government intervention can reduce poverty and suffering, and we can afford to pay it." Man, I, I, I hope I want to ask him like, "Hey, Robert, like." What do you think of this now, right? Like with the inflation and, you know, I was just at Costco today with my family. We were grabbing groceries and stuff. 
And I remember, you know, 10, 12 years ago, like you could fill up a grocery cart at Costco. And I was like, man, like $200 for this grocery cart, you know, like that's a lot of money. And now I fill up the cart maybe a quarter of the way, maybe a half of the way, and it's $200. So, you know, in, in not that long of time, from my perception, you know, my purchasing power has lost half of its value. And this isn't just a Democrat or Republican thing, right? Like Biden's printing a bunch of money. Trump already printed a bunch of money. And now we are paying for it. Like, I, I guess he's right in that way. We are paying the cost of printing trillions and trillions of dollars. And uh, I don't think it really has reduced that much poverty. I mean, if you look around, it, people aren't that much better off. If you survey the average American, they do not feel like they're doing much better off. Um, and we haven't actually solved the COVID thing, right? Um, so it's, uh, I, I, I would say he's probably wrong on, on all accounts. Well, it's, it's crazy because the, the only sort of attempts at poverty reduction that were made was there was the, the universal stimulus that went out, right, that didn't even really cover more than a couple months rent for people depending on where you live. And, you know, that happened and you're like, okay. And then there were massive increases to unemployment. So those were maybe the two mitigating factors to poverty in some respects. Um, again, let's set aside some arguments I'll go into in a, in, a, in a second here. Let's just say that those help. They're very they're very middling amounts of help, but they're they're help. Um, I don't know that we learned the government intervention can reduce poverty and suffering necessarily because all of those factors did very, very little to actually alleviate suffering from the vast majority of people. Um, but more importantly, what we learned from this is maybe it can do that, but that 90%, if not more, maybe even 99% of the money that was printed and created and spent in these things went to bailing out friends of government. It went to big banks. <laughs> it went to lobbyists' interests and those kinds of things. It didn't go to help poverty and reduce suffering. Um, and so, you know, even if you thought that the, you know, $2,000 stimulus that went out to everyone was a wonderful, great, helpful, altruistic thing... Uh, what the takeaway there isn't that the government can reduce poverty. It's that the government, when it has the chance to quote unquote, reduce poverty will opt to benefit its benefactors instead. <laughs> it will, it will deepen its own pockets, uh, through, through, a you know, symbiotic relationship with corrupt actors. So that's what I learned. Not, not that the government intervention helps, but then of course, um, things like unemployment massively increasing, then of course, on top of a year where you shut down businesses, made it so that businesses couldn't hire because when a when unemployment is, let's say it's you're getting $14 an hour worth of unemployment, if a business is paying $18 an hour worth of work, effectively you're only earning $4 an hour by going to work rather than staying home because of the difference in staying at home, getting unemployment for $14 versus working and getting $18. The the, the difference is when you work, you get $4 more. So you're working for $4 an hour, really. And so does that actually help the economy? Because the businesses, which are the lifeblood of the, our system, uh, now end up getting hurt way worse because you you create this artificial labor shortage um, and you en end up hurting the businesses, which have already been terribly hurt. So not even these poverty mitigating factors really end up helping reduce suffering or poverty in the long run because you're trying to put a Band-Aid where, uh, you know, a cast needs to go. And it's just not, it's not going to, you know, your Band-Aid's not going to fix your broken bone. That's good. That's really good. Okay. So uh, I, the funny thing is it's, it's not this post, I don't think, but I have one very similar to this. I think it's my number two, if I'm not mistaken. So, so we, we're on the similar, similar thought train here, but we'll, we'll move on. I'll, I'll save that for later. So our number three cringe post here, my, sorry, my number three cringe post for this year is, oh, here we go. Yeah, this is actually the one I was thinking of. It's, it's not, it's kind of similar, but, but it's got similar vibes. Uh, it, and this is again, we, we, we assured people the first time, this is a real tweet. This is not a parody. It sounds like it's a joke. It sounds like it's a parody. It's not. The tweet reads, hostile reminder that the government could at any time bite the bullet and shut down all non-life supporting businesses, fire up the money printing machine to make sure no one loses anything and completely <laughs> eradicate COVID in less than two months. Like, 
whole this i mean this almost hits every uh cringy point that we've just made in this in this review episode alone it's so bad um where to start fire up the money printing machine to make sure no one loses anything Dude, that is like the definition of not understanding how inflation works. It's the definition of not understanding what firing up the printing, the money printing machine even does. You know, to put it in a very simple illustration, if I have $100 in my savings account and uh, in this, you know, local economy, and let's say that's the most amount of savings that anyone in the town has. Um, and Britt, he's got this uh, really cool uh, VR headset and uh, he's made. And he wants to sell it. He's like, well, I'm, I'm going to need to sell it for a lot of money. Uh, and so I'm going to sell it for $80. And you know, I'm like, wow, all right. My, my $100 is worth a lot more because not very many people have $100. And I want to buy that very valuable headset. Well, then if you print the money machine and now everyone has $100. And let's say even, you know, still, I you know, you just circulate the number of dollars in the economy. By, by leaving my dollars in a savings account uh, without them growing... Now everyone around me just has artificially more money than Britt thinks, well, well, goodness, I, I sure as heck don't want to sell it for $80 anymore because $80, $80 is, that's, that's not worth what it once was because there's so many more dollars. And so he raises the price, whereas my savings account of $100, it doesn't grow, it doesn't grow except on a tiny, tiny percent of interest that banks pay. Um, so unless I've invested it in something that's growing, I'm getting essentially robbed of the value of my $100 simply by the government printing more dollar bills into circulation. Because the more something that's created, the less valuable an individual version of that is, uh, at least per, you know, w the way that humans interact with that value, right? The way that I'm going to perceive something. If there's only one of a blue stone and there's hundred redstones, that blue one is way more valuable because of the rarity, uh, perceived value, right? So anyway, so that, that alone is just silly. And then of course we talked about why the government can't, you know, why, why there's non-life supporting businesses, all businesses that provide jobs and provide a living are life supporting, right? And then of course, completely eradicate COVID in less than two months. Tell me what your big plan on that is, bucko, because uh, pretty sure that variant after variant that's mutating with the uh, <laughs> with the vaccine, um, pretty sure it's not just going to go away. Pretty sure you can't just squash that. Yeah, the the question I always want to ask these these type of people, and and when they say stuff about like, well, like no one needs to be poor or anything like that, it's like, well. You know, if, if we can just fire up the money machine and make sure no one loses anything and have everything shut down, why don't we just do that all the time? That sounds really awesome if that's able to work. Like, just print money and everyone, no one has to do anything. You know, no one has to work. Like, we just will have money. And the reality is, is that all you will have is paper dollar bills, you know, after a couple months. Um, the, the other aspect of this, you know, I, I uh, trying to, in, in the spirit of steel manning these people's arguments, you know, some people say, well, yeah, we could print money, but then like it, you know, in your example, you know, if some, I was charging $80 for my VR headset, it's like, well, you know, don't be a greedy person. Like you, it, just because everyone else has a hundred or extra <laughs> hundreds of dollars, don't charge more. It's like, well, what if I like want to continue making VR headsets, right? Like Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I can't sell it for $80 because now the price of everything else is going to go up. So for me to make another VR headset, I actually have. Have to increase the price and that's the the really unfortunate thing about inflation and people don't get it it's that you alluded, you said this it, it, and there's yeah there's federal income tax right that they, they take money out of your paycheck every every time you get it 
but then they also tax you with inflation. So they basically what they're doing is they're borrowing money from you without you knowing it, quote unquote. And it's uh, it, it, they devalue the, the amount of purchasing power you have today is literally a 30th of what it would have been 50, 70 years ago. Right. Like I, I really like this game, Red Dead Redemption, and I was playing it. And like in it, like you can buy like uh, you can buy like a horse, you know, for for thirty dollars or something like that. That's like whoa, that that's really inexpensive. And this is in like nineteen oh seven or whatever. And then you go back and look, and you're like, oh, what what is the the dollar exchange rate, you know, of of a nineteen oh seven dollar in nineteen oh seven to to today's standards? And it's exponentially more. You know, thirty dollars is like a thousand dollars, you know, today, uh, or had that much purchasing power. And so when you think about it that way, it's like wow, they're they're actually stealing your future value. And anyone that's taken like any sort of economics class or personal finance class knows the law about, you know, the value of a dollar today, net present value. A dollar is worth more today than it is tomorrow because just of the ever expanding money supply that we've got. Um, and so it's actually really good based on the what we've got today. And I'm not offering financial advice to anyone, but, you know, based on the, the, the way we currently have it, is the reason we have so much inflation is because they print money and they want people to spend. It's very Keynesian. They want, they're like, well, if people are spending money, that stimulates the economy. And that's why you have historically low you know, savings rates in, for American households and all that stuff. Anyway, all that to say, um, I, I would ask this person, you know, I don't think we can reveal their name. They're not blue check mark. Like if this works, let's just print money all the time and let's just see where that gets us. I don't actually want to do that, but let's for a thought experiment, do it and let's see where it gets you. And they usually are not able to answer it. All right, moving on to uh, this is my number two cringe of the year, and I've got to uh, <laughs> got to expand it. So okay, so some context around this one. So back in um, I think this was in October, uh, Dr. Sanjay Gupta from from CNN went on the Joe Rogan podcast um, to talk about the vaccines and stuff. And anyways, he got he got wiped on the floor by Joe. Um, he could not answer a lot of the data. He didn't have any of his own data, um, and he got kind of gotcha a couple times. Um, but anyways, he he did it in good faith and good spirit, I think. Um, and he tweeted out, you know, I walked into uh, the Lions Den, and I uh, was with Joe Rogan on his podcast. We talked about vaccines, ivermectin, all this stuff. And then this guy below him, uh, uh, below his tweet, commented. We need more discussions like this, although I suspect that Rogan will edit creatively to serve his audience. And, you know, if anyone has ever watched a Joe Rogan show, the the one thing you can definitively say he does not do is edit his show. It's a live show that, or I guess maybe it's not live now that's on Spotify, but it's a show that is filmed from start to finish, no edits, no nothing like that. Like they literally include people going to the bathroom, you know, like having a bathroom break if they need to in it. And that's why people like Joe Rogan's show. That's like the cornerstone of the value of his show is that, oh, like we have a discussion for three hours, right? It's not like this edited sit down thing where we, you know, we take, do a take and then maybe it's good and we do another take. It's like, nope, we sit down, they discuss for three hours and people like it for that. And the reason this made it so high on my cringe list is because I think it revealed the general population's kind of like clickbait and headline behavior for the past two years and how much damage it causes. Because people will be like, well, like this guy has clearly never watched this episode or any episode of Joe Rogan because he would never say anything like this if he had because he would know it's not true. Um, but yet people, he still feels like he's qualified to spout an opinion. That is objectively wrong about it. And I think that if we had a lot less of that and we had a lot more people that were like, well, I'm actually going to go read the article instead of just posting it because it had the, the headline. And to be fair, you know, I saw some conservatives and I saw some some libertarians actually posting a, um, an article that was that had a headline that was misinterpreted. It was like some, I think it was like the European Union uh, chairman is like uh, denies the Nuremberg Code or whatever. And it, they made it look like literally like the, 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 the chairman of the Europe, EU was like saying like, oh, yeah, I don't agree with the Nuremberg Code. But really what it was was the person that wrote the article said, oh, this person, the, the chairman says that you should be able to like mandate vaccines. That's in violation of the Nuremberg Code. Therefore, they said, you know, that they're, they are OK with violating the Nuremberg Code. And that's like that's a dishonest way to like go about things. Right. Like that that is true misinformation or disinformation or however you want to put it, because you're putting out a headline that that elicits an emotion out of people that is not, you know, it's factually true, but it's not actually true. And uh, I, I think that, we, you know, we'd be a lot better off without that. And I think this post to me represents that aspect of the past year and a half, two years really, really well. 
it's it's just so funny that this guy is following Dr. Gupta. So you assume he probably watches or is at least familiar with his show, which was is CNN, right? He's the CNN contributor. And it's like, what what media entity is gonna, you know, creatively edit more than CNN? Um, yep. I mean, there are examples of, you know, in the past, uh, the past, like, uh, I, I wish I could come, cr- recall more to m- that uh, off the top of my head. You know, this is your your cringe post here, so I uh, I wasn't aware this was in the slide deck. But, um, you know, there, there have been so many great examples of CNN and MSNBC and all these other news outlets um, creatively editing or shortening or clipping out specific things of interviews, of live footage when they're doing replays, things like that during the BLM protests and very selective. And and so you think that like this person is projecting so hard onto Joe Rogan uh, because, he, you know, it's like, well, everyone does this. And so I assume that, you know, that all the misinformation about COVID out there on, you know, the, the stuff that's not coming from CNN is going to be creatively edited. Like you said, if this person had ever watched uh, an episode of Rogan, he'd know that that's so far from from even remotely possible. Like he used to be on YouTube and they were live, like you were saying before. And uh, you could just tune in and just see them from start to finish going at it completely live um and uninterrupted and you know these crazy three hour long interviews versus you know cnn which will have a segment and they're going to interview three people talking over each other and the whole segment's like 10 minutes including like a five minute monologue from the anchor who's not an expert on anything you know um and one of the great things that i like about rogan is that when he has an expert on generally he lets them talk for a while and he asks probing questions don't get me wrong like he he interacts with them and he and he presses them in many ways way better than any sort of uh corporate media anchor does um because he actually asks questions that naturally come to people's minds not these scripted ones but he also gives them time to explain their positions and to go through something in depth and and then he finds the holes and he and he pokes it. You know, he he doesn't he's not interrupting them every five seconds. He's not Kathy Newmaning them. He's not so what you're hmm. saying is, you know. He might try to rephrase their thing, but he gives them time to clarify. And and so anyway, so it that it just was really funny that he's projecting very hard on Joe Rogan what CNN itself does um when the CNN guy's on there. That's just it's it's really good. And uh yeah, I'm all for a good uh corporate media dunk. Um because even though this guy's not part of the corporate media, he's He's kind of carrying water for them. So, okay, we'll move on to my number two cringe post. And this one, I will admit, is, again, I've been a little cheesy with this. I'm cheating a little bit. This I'm pulling a quote from the video. Uh, so we're not going to play the video that we played this from. But this is from a Daily Wire video uh, where it's a discussion with Ben Shapiro, Andrew Clavin, Matt Walsh, and uh, uh, Michael Knowles and Jeremy Boring. And the quote comes from Jeremy Boring, who says, The people who don't pay their fair share in this country are the poor. We need to raise taxes on the poor. I'm not joking. <laughs> and this comes after a long uh, diatribe from Ben Shapiro talking about uh, tax rates and um, how much you know the the rich and the wealthy and the producers in the economy are paying on taxes. So it comes after, you know, I'm, I'm not a big Ben Shapiro fan, but but good, relatively good analysis on this kind of thing from Ben Shapiro, talking about all the different ways in which rich people generally do pay taxes and this myth about you know rich people not paying their fair share is ridiculous. And so, of course, you know, the answer to uh, rich people paying more than their fair share of taxes isn't to remove taxation, reduce taxation drastically. It's, of course, to raise taxes on the poor. That's the answer. That's the solution. It's just it's just the complete antithesis and opposite move of liberty and why I think conservatives are so misguided. Um, I mean half of the arguments that conservatives will use generally when a new tax is introduced is, oh, it's only on the wealthy, but that's going to come down to the middle class. Uh, it's going to come down on the poor. And uh, we, we know a, a tax never stays only on the wealthy. And I'm like, yep, that's right. That's a good point. Uh, but of course, Jeremy Boring here just wants to skip straight to the punchline. He just, he's like, why do we even have to have the middleman here? <laughs> Let's just introduce the high taxes on the poor too. Um, 
yeah, just a kind of an absurd take, kind of a ridiculous take. Um, and he should be clowned for this really, really bad opinion. Um, I, I think we kind of analyzed it to death in the in the when the actual episode, so I don't I don't have too much more to say. But this is just this was just a really really bad funny take to me. Yeah, and you know I I in general like I listen to the Daily Wire guys and like like Ben is pretty good on certain like social issues and like need to get the government out and then he's terrible on like any sort of foreign policy and then you've got Michael Knowles who's who's pretty good on like foreign policy and stuff like that and then he's pretty terrible on like he's like no we should have basically theocracy right and I Jeremy Boring I don't think he is really an on-air personality I don't really listen to much I think he's like a CEO there or something like that but he, he is on every now and then and this just this gives away the game right like the central problem to whether you're left or right is that you venerate the government right like you believe like oh the government is is necessary and needs to be around and we can't function without the government and so like that if you take that thought to its logical conclusion then a thought like this is i guess not so bad right but if on the other hand you think that well man like taxation is theft right it is wrong for me to claim someone else's labor regardless of whether or not they are rich or poor or middle class because if i can say i you owe me your work you know whatever amount of time you worked i own a percentage of that and you have no choice but to give it to me that's called slavery that's not uh that's not you know a societal contract or anything like that that's just slavery and it's wrong and so uh, from our perspective right people that have woken up to this um like really good libertarians or anarchists or whatever um it's like, yeah, the, this is objectively wrong, right? Like, like if you follow our philosophy to its conclusion, it's you do not own anything that anyone else produces unless it's voluntarily offered up, right? Um, if you follow whether you're left or right, because they venerate the state to its, its inevitable conclusion, it's, oh yeah, like we should have a fair taxation and the poor do need to pay more taxes. I'm of the mindset that it's like, man, you know, if I see my, my neighbor getting mugged or if I got mugged, my first reaction is not, man, I wish my neighbor got mugged, you know, at the same time. Or <laughs> they, they need to take more money from my neighbor. My, my, my reaction is like, ah, I, I wish maybe no one mugged anyone at any point. Um, and that's, that's what we should be working towards. Well, I I will say that my first thought is, why are you so upset about being mugged, man? Like, do you view your wallet as an extension of yourself? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So this is my, my number one. This is my top cringe post that we went over this year. And uh, this is, uh, this is, I think this, this might have been <laughs> our very first long form cringe that we did mm-hmm. for the very first episode. And this person wrote on Facebook. Sorry to get political, but I see a lot of memes about Bernie being like Santa and giving free things to naive young adults and people with no money, and I'm just trying to put it all together. Isn't voting supposed to be about the majority winning? And if the majority needs free things and has no money, then in theory, it would benefit the majority to vote for Bernie. You should vote for what benefits you the most. And if Bernie's proposals benefit the majority the the, the most, then what is the issue? And this, uh, I saw this on my feed from 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 a friend back in high school um, that I'm friends with now, obviously on Facebook still. And this actually, this take was kind of for me what was like, hey, we need to have something that takes on these things because people spew this nonsense out there, and it is not, you know, like you can't really engage with it. Or there are people that are just like, I just want to, you know, get along to get along, and and they don't want to, you know take on these things in public or anything like that. And it's like, no, we need to, you know, take these ideas, put them out front for everyone to see and explain why they're not good. And obviously this one is just so ridiculous on its face that it's, there's not a lot of like pulling apart that you need to do, but like, yeah, person, like the majority tyrannizing the minority is not a good thing. Democracy is not a good thing. Right. And 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 this it, they they have both the problem and the and the uh, the result of the problem like in the same thing like yeah the majority we should be about individual rights we shouldn't be about the majority being what is right because obviously you know in Nazi Germany there might have been a majority that was right and then people's vi- rights were, were violated and when people vote for what benefits them the most and they have the mechanism for power to make that happen that means that the 51% can now trample on the 49% and that doesn't make it good and and i think this illustrates like our public school system and then like the whole culture around our government and the american political system that has kind of the propaganda that's been then pushed out there and that 
like we just believe democracy is like the end all be all good thing. We a lot of people. I mean, I know it's a kind of a, a boomer take, but it's like, oh, we don't live in democracy. We live in a republic. But even then, right? We we have a lot of of aspects of democracy and majority rule and all that stuff. Where even right now, you know, in the Senate in in, in December of twenty twenty one, right? You've got one person, Joe Manchin, able to stop, uh, you know, what fifty other people want, right? And and in my opinion, that's kind of a good thing because I don't want that thing to go through. I don't want them to spend two point seven trillion dollars. But that just highlights how broken that type of system is, right? Where you can have one person decide that they want to, you know, destroy the other forty-nine people. And uh, what is the meme? It's it's democracy is two wolves and a lamb discussing and voting on what's for lunch. And it's like, oh yeah, it's pretty clear it's going to happen. And so uh, this person, anyways, I you know, I'm not going to name who they are, but thank you very much in case you're listening for for helping us get involved in this podcasting thing because you were the impetus for it and i hope that you are growing i've seen some of your posts since then um and they have not improved so i'm holding out hope but uh and maybe someday we'll talk about it and laugh about it and it will be great but i don't know we'll see hey remember i i started from being celebrating you know the lakewood police shooting or you know dead the, the 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 guy so we there, there have been worse cases uh, that have come better, right? So, yes. at least this person isn't like actively celebrating some a human dying. <laughs> true, so, true. So, um, yeah, this this one I love. Um, I mean, you you pretty much hit all of the major points on the head. But what I, the only thing I would really add is, I think it I think it's really funny um, that the 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 first sort of claim that's made is isn't voting supposed to be about the majority winning and that makes me laugh like like well that's just that's just what voting is supposed to be about and you're like well okay like who cares what voting is supposed to be about it's this it's this default like well we vote and that's what voting ends up with so that's what we're supposed to do and 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 you realize that that is the kind of mindset that people on the right and the left are yeah. are in where you're like you're in this this current system uh, you're in this you know democratic republic this this representational form of government where you vote uh, for things that, and, and in the status quo and and this is kind of almost like the the two party mentality where you're like well, we have two parties. And so if we have two parties, well, then I have to vote for the lesser of two evils, right? Um, it's like, we, we, isn't voting supposed to be about the majority winning? It's like, well, who cares what voting is supposed to be about? What is right? <laughs> you know, yes. who cares what what's, things are supposed to be about? What, t- tell me what's right or wrong. You can't just give me this sort of, you know. And so, and then of course they do try to make that claim later. In theory, it benefits the majority to do that. But it's like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like, um, and I don't know. I maybe you you might know if this person's religious or not. But if this person is is a Christian, which I which if I recall correctly, I think I think they They're are. They're pastor. Um, They're pastor. Maybe not. Okay. Yeah. 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 So okay. So they are. I feel like of all people, um, you know, the story of Jesus's crucifixion should probably instill in you to a little degree, at least, of skepticism on the idea of benefiting the majority because. The people voted Barabbas out instead of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like the the Jews were a minority, and even the Jews rejected him. But but even still, the crowds shouting, you know, free this murderer or free Jesus who's done nothing wrong, and the crowds rallied behind the murderer to set Barabbas free. And That's so, a great point. isn't voting supposed to be about the majority winning? And and so, if the majority want Barabbas, like, shouldn't we do that? What's the issue? Um, so yeah, so I, I don't know anyone who's a Christian and who, who, who's familiar with, you know, Christ's, uh, crucifixion, I should at least have a little bit of skepticism to the idea of democracy. So it just makes me laugh. Like, isn't this what it's supposed to be about? Isn't the majority winning what's, what voting is supposed to determine? And it's like, okay, but you could, you could, that, that kind of claim can go for any system in place. And I'm not saying that they're defending slavery, but you could make the same kind of defense for slavery where it's like, well, isn't slavery about getting the most free labor out of a human possible? So I guess that means that if it, you split up families in slavery, if you're getting a good deal for the most beneficial slave, like 
I don't know, it benefits the majority, right? It's only a, a few people who are working to benefit this whole family of uh, cotton owners. So, you know, you, and again, I'm not saying that that's what this person is claiming or anything near it. But the line of reasoning can be similarly applied in other contexts. Contexts in which it's way more obvious to say, whoa, 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 that's not right. Let's ask the question about what is right here, not what the system is, how the system is supposed to work. Because we need to first determine, is the system right? So, yep. yeah, that, that's what makes me laugh there. Okay, we'll move on to the final top cringe post. And I'm, I'm super, you know, I was skeptical. I was thinking we might have some of the same, but Britt was correct. We, we actually have none of the same top cringe posts. Uh, we just have, we've had a lot of cringe posts for this past year. So it's kind of exciting to have uh, five, five unique posts uh, each from, from our top ones. But without further ado, my top cringe post from this year comes from Michelle Kaczynski, a verified Twitter user, who tweets, As an American journalist, you never expect your own government to lie to you repeatedly, your own government to hide information the public has a right to know, your own government to spy on your communications. Trump's un-American regime did all of these. No one should accept this. (laughs) (laughs) And I just laugh every time I read this because points one, points two, and points three have all happened so many times in U.S. history alone. And then the conclusion is that Trump's un-American regime did all these. It's like, yeah, I'm sure it did. So has basically every single administration ever. How do, as an American journalist, do you not expect these things to happen? How can you go to journalism school and not learn about all the times the government has lied to the people and the noble journalists have exposed it? The, all the times the government's hide public information that journalists have exposed and all the times that the you know the the US government has spied on journalism communications that is like the hallmark thing that the government does because the journalists are supposed to keep the government accountable that's their entire purpose basically right in a in a sort of hierarchies of of like purposes that journalism can serve that's kind of the top one there is keeping a check on you know the you know a supposed check on the only monopoly on legal use of force like what what a wild wild claim to say that you would never expect these things when in the last like i, I don't know how old michelle is but either with i mean within her lifetime um because i assume she's at least as old if not slightly older than myself um within my lifetime There have been multiple examples of this in the Bush years, in the Obama years, in the Clinton years, in, I mean, in the Trump years, obviously, as she alludes to, but it's like, you don't have to have an institutional memory to know that the government up and down lied to the people about, well, lied, you know, to journalists and the public about weapons of mass destruction. You don't have to know that the government lied about keeping a massive surveillance state uh, known as the, you know, um, NSA. And the program's existence. And if you know about the fact that they lied about the NSA, then you know about the NSA, which has spied on journalist communications. And they've used that. So all of this is not a Trumpian introduction. Uh, It's happened within our lifetime. Um, It's probably happened within the time since she's been a journalist. So the, the fact that her expectation is that these things would never happen as an American uh, with the American government it shows a bizarre detachment from reality, and I don't know if this is massive Trump derangement syndrome or just journalist, like, I don't know, hysteria or both, but it earned my number one spot for just being the absolute most naive cringe take I could find. Yeah, this is a really good one. I think that to kind of hit it home, the the date that this was tweeted out was ridiculous. Like, it's like, okay, you got TDS you know, during the, the Trump years or whatever in 2018, 2019. But no, this is tweeted out May 8th, 2021. Trump's not even president <laughs> anymore. And during that time, we had a ton of different issues, you know, that came out about like, oh, like 
you know, the Democrats were lying about the Russiagate scandal, right? Or the, the media buried the Hunter Biden laptop scandal and all these different things. And it's like, man, like this is like she kind of like w- went Windows Explorer, Internet Explorer mode, you know, on this. It's like <laughs> she came up with this back in 2019 and then just suddenly loaded in, you know. And and the, the second thing I'd say about this is that, OK, if you you never expect your government to hide information that the public has a right to know then what is the point of you existing? What is the point of having a journalist? Like, if the government, this all-powerful thing that, according to most of these folks, can do things the best of anyone can, like, if they're totally honest and your initial impression of them was that they are always going to put out the information that the public is supposed to know, then why would we need you? Why do you need independent media organizations or anything like that? And then on top of that, like, what do you make of, like, the best journalistic breaks, you know, of the past however long you know like you could take pick any time period right and it's like wow like you know whether it's the uh you know edward snowden and glenn greenwald or uh julian assange or any of those guys it's like wow like some of these like guys that did things not while trump was president but while like obama or george w bush or things that occurred during those two presidents terms occurred it's like those those show we have the receipts we have the printed documents we have the signed sealed and delivered evidence that uh, the government is going to lie to you, and they're going to lie to you for their own benefit, and they're going to lie to you to kill people that they want to kill. And uh, what what would make you think any different, right? And I I think that this is uh this is like this weird, either it's incredibly ignorant and and just stupid, or it is someone trying to spin things in such a way that they can like regain some credibility, right? And and it's done in an absolutely terrible way. And I, th- I think it's a great, I, I, I appreciate this being the your number one pick because it's a great summary of the the corporate media uh, for the past however long, six years, right? I guess it's been this way forever, but like we saw it really on display the past six years of just how manipulative they are. You know, as our, as our who were both fans of Michael Malice says, the, the corporate press are, are factual, but they're not truthful. And, uh, these folks just they, they will say anything to get where they want to go they don't care if it's truthful um they just don't, they want to cover their own butts and they want to make sure that everything looks good and so to say something this stupid right like it's it's just a play of manipulation to to kind of paint the picture that they want to paint and uh i think that you know one of the white pills or, or the silver linings of the past few years is just how many people have woken up to what big liars these folks are like they're just liars right they lie for their own gain and benefit um, and to, 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 to put people in power that, that benefit them. And uh, I think the more we know that they are the enemy of the people, the better we are. You know, it's funny that you, you're saying about waking up to that, because even in 2016, when Ted Cruz and Donald Trump in particular were taking advantage of this anti-media narrative and sentiment, I remember thinking sort of like okay they're they're being a little bit ridiculous they're going overboard and i think i think it was a combination of a few things i think it was one um the fact that i was i i, I don't know I, I i was i was libertarian at the time but i was kind of relatively new i think i'd only been calling myself libertarian um for a couple years and even then it was sort of a republican light um for for so much so much of the time um, but I, but I didn't really like sort of this populist, uh, red meat type caricature of the Republicans. And so when you had the primaries going on and, you know, Ted Cruz is saying like the, the media is dishonest and Trump's like, Oh, I hate, I hate the media. You know, the media, they're, they're all the worst. And he was lobbing his, his grenades at them. I always thought it was just a big publicity stunt. Um, I think also part of it for me was that I was just coming out of college and in college, there's this, even even at a place that wasn't super lefty, like our our university, there's this sort of austerity that's that's regarded towards institutions in general. And so it's like Fox News, even even though it was a conservative school, Fox News was kind of scoffed at, and it was like you you had to balance your sources. You know, it, you wanted to read a little bit from everyone. You wanted to read from Huffington Post, but you also <laughs> wanted to read from MSNBC, and you wanted to you know see what Fox News was saying, but know that it wasn't very reputable. But and there was just kind of this element of of almost moderate, um, 
respect towards all of these institutions, even, even if there was skepticism towards them, right? But it, rather than it being like one of these things where they're straight up lying to you, it's like, you just need to get the right information from all these different places. And so not that I necessarily subscribe to that, but that kind of idea rubbed off on me, right? Just being in that environment, that's kind of the, the, the mindset I was kind of moving out of. Um, and so even in 2016, when they're criticizing the journalists, I'm like, oh, they're just throwing red meat to the base. And, you know, fast forward uh, through the Trump presidency. And again, I'm not a fan of Trump. I don't think he's the greatest thing ever. I think he made a lot of stupid decisions. But more and more, you see the absolute ridiculous lengths that the journalists went to to smear him. And there were so many good things you could have smeared him for. There were so many ways you could have kept him accountable, taken him to account for his actions in the Middle East, to, for spending higher rates than anyone else, even though he said he was never not going to do that kind of thing, the, the corruption. But instead, they chose to lie, and they chose to lie, and they chose to lie. And so I think during that year, I became totally radicalized at how um, these journalists not only lie about the top level, it's like you see how blatantly they're doing it there, and then you realize, oh, this happens at every level. And it's weaponized not only against President Trump, it's weaponized against the everyday person. And with COVID, it's being weaponized against people who choose not to be vaccinated. With COVID, or excuse me, with uh, the environment, it's going to start being targeted towards people who don't buy into the narratives. It happens at every level. Um, the journalism... The, the, the sort of the uh, the cape is being pulled off their face. You know, the Scooby-Doo mask is being ripped yeah. from them and they're being exposed as the sort of partisan hacks they are uh, whose agenda isn't to isn't to tell the truth. It isn't to reveal truth. So I think it's funny. I think it's a white pill that even, you know, even I was sort of hesitant to criticize the media coming from institutions. But I do think there's a large move in that way. And I think it's a good move. Um, and yeah, and, and I mean, just to illustrate that, like, at the time of screen capping this, I'm sure it's even higher now, the uh, the quote tweet to like ratio is almost double. There's almost double the amount of quote tweets um, to to likes, which I you know I, it's not a it's not a solid indicator of you know they're all negative, but it's hard to imagine that most of those quote tweets aren't people talking about how silly this take is and how how goofy and how ridiculous it is. Um, Usually a quote tweet like that is, isn't saying like, look at this really good tweet. Usually that's just a retweet. Um, and, and the quote tweets are the ones that are saying like this, this is pathetic and silly. So you're, you're right. I think there's a silver cloud and I, I think there's a, a white pill to take away. Yeah. That's awesome. Got any more on this one? Nope. I'm good. I think we awesome. wrapped up our cringe miss past episode. Cringemas past. Yes, I, I like it. So, so folks, uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for hanging out with us this year. Um, we're really excited for 2022. We've got a lot more cringe to go through because uh, apparently there's an unending supply of it. So I, I'm excited for that. Um, if we said anything that made you cringe or if you think we should have had a different cringe up here on this list, be sure to let us know in the comments or via messages. And like I said at the beginning of the show, uh, be sure to like, share, and subscribe. We've got some really cool stuff coming up for you in 2022. And uh, I think this is going to be our last episode until then. So uh, we will catch you then. <laughs>